Hello everyone, I'm Mr. Frisco and this is my real estate show. Today on my show, Frisco Housing Market Insights. My guest today is Dustin Jones, Miss Fris Mrs. Frisco uh, for 2022 and owner of, of Encompass HR. And what's new going on in a Frisco business and social life? Meet Mr. Frisco, a realtor selling residential real estate in Frisco and far north Dallas. As a former professional athlete, track and field, and strength and conditioning coach, Mr. Frisco immigrated to the USA 20 years ago with $50 in his pocket, a suitcase, and zero English to pursue the American dream and build a successful real estate business. Hardworking, persistent, customer service, and detail-oriented, Mr. Frisco strives to secure a smooth closing on his client's biggest investment, their home. He puts his experience and knowledge to serve his clients the best way possible. Building his business by referral allows him to maintain relationships with his clients and serve them even after the transaction is closed. This is Frisco Realty News with Mr. Frisco. So let's see uh, what was happening uh, on Frisco real estate market the last year. The median Frisco existing home price for the last year increased 9.2% compared with 2022, reaching $623,250, and the median price for January decreased 6.97% compared with December. The inventory on the market is 188.2% lower compared with the same time of the last year with 196 houses for sale on the market and it decreased 26.86% in January compared with, uh, with, this, with uh, December of 2022. The inventory uh, is still very low in Frisco and um, it's, it's difficult to find um, uh, homes. It's still difficult. So the median existing home sales um, is uh, down 27.1% compared with the same time of the last year, reaching 86 sold homes. And the home sales for January are 30.64% uh, lower compared with the December of 2022. The median dates on the market for January is 47 days uh, compared with the same time of 2022 when the median dates on the market were only five so it takes 16 days more to sell a home in january compared with december of 2022 so the month supply of inventory on the market is down again for january and reached 1.1 months which is considered for a very strong sellers market which doesn't reflect the prices that are kind of down but as we talked before we are now in a weird market and um uh, regardless the low inventory, the prices are flattening or just going down. All right, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the um, home purchasing process because, hey, um, it doesn't matter how it, uh, how it is market now, if um, either the interests uh, are up or whatever, uh, buyers are still on the market. They're still buying and, hey, you have to buy too because interest rates are fluctuating. They're going to be lower tomorrow you can refine uh, but um, if you hold the house for a long time um, you will never um, you will you will be all fine you will be just fine so um, 
Let's talk about the, the, the buying process, as I said. So buying a home can be very intimidating sometimes, but uh, you can set yourself up uh, for success, understanding the process and finding the right help. Uh, let me write you a little bit about the buying process. Uh, so here is an overview of the home buying process that I um, help you navigate so you can find your dream homes as uh, quickly as possible. Financing uh, is the first step in the buying process. So you cannot go to uh, Macy's and uh, and just uh, buy uh, whatever you want, like say a code without, uh, without a credit card or, or money, all right? So you need money and you need uh, financing to buy the house. So that's the first step. The first step is to get a proof of financing. So uh, choosing a lender is where it pays to be picky. Not only can uh, the right lender get you a great rate, but they can make uh, things so smoothly during, uh, during closing. So skip picking the first online result or randomly walking into your bank. Instead, please seek the advice of friends uh, who have recently gone through the home uh, buying process, ask them about the experience, or just ask an ex um, your realtor, like uh, if they have somebody uh, who they rely on and trust. So, um, Closing as uh, hassle-free as possible, it's about the right lender. So the, the, the next step in the process is um, uh, to find a home, which uh, we, we're gonna go around, I will show you homes, and, uh, and finally you will like one, but now uh, you have to make an offer. Uh, so once you get pre-approved and uh, you find a home, you're making an offer, and it's, uh, it, it is where we uh, started the deep diving into the finding your dream home. Here, I uh, provide a comparative market analysis so you can choose the home price you're most comfortable with. And once uh, you accept all the conditions in the offer, uh, I will submit uh, the offer to the to the seller, to the seller's agent, actually. And uh, and but making an offer is only the beginning of buying. After I make your offer to the seller, the critical negotiations begin. And actually, here where I uh, I uh, make my my, my fee. So uh, to to negotiate the best conditions to you, um, and especially in this market when, as a buyer, you have a lot of leverages to negotiate repairs and price. Uh, once your offer is accepted, we proceed with the inspections, um, negotiations for repairs if necessary, and uh, as I said, everything that uh, we can use as a leverage to, uh, to negotiate uh, best uh, offer, uh, best conditions for you. So the option period is the next uh, stage in the contract. Um, so let me explain what the option period is. So this is, um, this is uh, the time given, uh, given to the buyer to inspect the property and negotiate repairs or any other condition on the contract. Uh, the terms time um, and fee are negotiable and usually depend on the market conditions. Typically, the term is uh, seven to 10 days uh, with an initial offer fee of about $100, but this is for, 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 for the market now. 
in Texas. Uh, but when the market is uh, was very hot, uh, you could um, you could see an uh, option period as uh, as thousand two thousand dollars and as short as uh, three days. Uh, even some uh, some people were just uh, some buyers were skipping the option fee, but that's different uh, different uh, topic. So. In Texas, the buyer has the unrestricted right to terminate the contract during the period with a full return of the earnest money. And the option fee, however, is not refundable if the buyer terminates, but you're going to get it back if you close. It goes to the price of your house. So uh, the next uh, mm, uh, interesting part in, uh, in, the, in, in the bank process, that's the financing contingency. This is in the contract. And uh, so the financing contingency is uh, given to the buyer to be approved for a mortgage. Okay, so you, uh, uh, you, uh, your file goes to the underwriter and the underwriter is supposed to approve you for a loan. And um, usually the loan officer doesn't give the approval. The loan officer just pre-approve you. It's the underwriter that approves the loan. And uh, there is a certain time and terms uh, in, in the contract that uh, uh, you have to be approved for this loan. So uh, during this period, the buyer should uh, submit all additional paperwork required by the lender to obtain conditional approval. Suppose the buyer cannot obtain approval in this period. In that case, the financing contingency should be extended or the buyer has to uh, has this understatement right to terminate and the contract uh, is uh, walk away from the contract and get the earnest money back. And then this is the happiest part of the process is the closing. So both parties should sign the closing documents um, at the title company on closing day. And um, in addition, you will need to bring your uh, ID, driver license, and closing funds in the forms of certified funds, money order or cash or check, uh, Lately, the, the title companies don't accept even cash or check. They just uh, they just accept um, uh, wired money. So, uh, the amount you need to bring to the closing table will be in the closing disclosure, which will be provided by the title company. So, what kind of funds will you need? So. How much is this going to cost? Uh, well, it depends. You may have to meet a minimum down payment uh, to secure funding, depending on your loan uh, on, on your loan type. Uh, for example, you need 3.5% uh, on FHA, uh, a federally insured loan, uh, and 5% for a conventional loan. There are other lo other loans like a VA or, um, you know, uh, that are 100% uh, financed. So, however, you have to choose the right loan for you. However, uh, to avoid paying PMI, uh, private mortgage insurance, you will need a 20% down payment when secure, uh, securing a conventional loan. Once you have built 20% equity, uh, for example, if you, had, uh, if you put only 5%, but once uh, have you built equity in your uh, new home, uh, 20%, uh, you can ask your lender to waive the PMI. Uh, with an FHA loan, the insurance lasts for the loan's lifetime. So that's one thing you have to keep in mind when you apply for FHA loan. The PMI uh, uh, lasts a lifetime. Another payment you will uh, encounter is um, earnest money 
although earnest money is negotiable, it's a typical 1% of the purchase price, it's also refundable, and it's applied towards the purchase of your new home. So what about closing costs? So these expenses also fluctuate depending on taxes, um, uh, escrow fees, uh, insurance, and um, many more things that actually only the lender after uh, balance the CD, the final CD with uh, the title company can tell you. Uh, actually, uh, the realtor or the lender can give you a very, a very close amount, but uh, it could fluctuate a couple of hundred dollars uh, time to time. So as like you can see, buying a home is the biggest financial decision most people make. Uh, but uh, don't go, uh, don't go it alone. I am Mr. Frisco, Victor Talshanov, and I am here to help you every step of the way. So let's work together. Uh, let's work together to find the home that suits your lifestyle, so you can happily live every after. All right. Well, uh, it is time now for my guest, uh, Dustin Jones, and. Uh, uh, Miss Mrs. Frisco, actually, not me. Mrs. Frisco. <laughs> yes. uh, and um, uh, owner of Encompass HR. Yes. Correct? correct. Okay. Well, good to have you. Thank you for being here, yeah. having me be here. I've, I'm enjoying it so far. I, absolutely. Mr. Frisco and Mrs. Frisco. That's interesting. That's okay. Right. Now, now I'm in real estate. You're in HR business. Uh, okay. Well, um, what motivated you to to get into the uh, you know into the um, Mrs. Texas contest? So, what motivated you to do that? So, I have as I've gotten older, I have decided that I need to get out of my comfort zone. Some um, that's why I started my business a year ago was to just do something different. So, I figured the pageant world is something I haven't done in about thirty years. So, I'm dating myself. Um, and so I just decided it was something that would get me out of my comfort zone. It's something that's different and it gives me an opportunity to do things that I normally wouldn't have the opportunity to do. And so, um, I decided to sign up for Mrs. Texas, um, with the support of, a uh, Miss Frisco, who was Taylor Kilpatrick from last year. She's a friend of mine and she encouraged me to do it. So I did. And so, um, I was honored with the title of Mrs. Frisco and I'll be competing for Mrs. Texas at the end of April and, I've definitely gotten myself out of my comfort zone. There's there's a lot going on there and a lot that I'm looking forward to that I wouldn't normally do. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's kind of a challenge, yeah? It is. It is a challenge. It's a challenge, um, I think, mostly for me from a mental perspective of prepping myself to be on stage with some just amazing women and to be able to present myself well and to, to represent the city of Frisco as well as I possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, we are the fastest growing city, we're yes. destination city. Yeah. We should have a winner in the Texas contest. I mean, that would be fabulous. <laughs> I would I would love that. That would be fantastic and um Frisco is just one of those places that so many people want to be and and I get asked all the time, you know, where's Frisco or I can't believe you live in Frisco and I've been there for 10 years and absolutely love it. Yeah, almost the same time like me, met 13 years. Yeah. Um well, we're going to all cheer for you, okay? Well, thank so, you. I appreciate uh, that. April 27th through 29th, it'll be in Corsicana, Texas. Okay, so are they going to show it on the TV? I think they'll live stream it. I just don't have that information okay. yet. Well, you should give it to us. I will. Right? I will do that. Yeah, we're going to cheer for you. Thank you. Please, <laughs> must win. That's I it. will. I will do that. Okay. 
who is Mrs. Frisco? Who is uh, something about your background? You know, who are you? Oh, man, that's a big question. Um, I am a Texas transplant. I've been in Texas for uh, since 1999. And I got here via Virginia from San Diego. So I was born and raised in San Diego. And um, the interesting thing is I have family in Texas. Um, my mother was family is from um, West Texas and had been here for a very long time. So um, I... I got to Texas. They say you get to Texas as fast as you can, right? So I've been here for a couple decades. My children were born here, and I've made a home here. And so um, I started a job in HR over 20 years ago. I've, you know, have two children that were, like I said, born and raised here. And um, I, um, what else? There's so much I could tell you. Um, it's been a great experience. And, and Texas, for me, I was divorced um, in the early 2000s, and I could never have imagined going anywhere else besides staying here in Texas. It allowed me to support my children. The economy here has been fantastic. And um, so I stayed instead of leaving, and I've been here ever since. And um, like I said, I've been in HR for 20 years, and I've loved that and branched out on my own about a year ago. Well, that's what I have learned when I when I moved to Texas from Far away, a little country in Europe. So one Texan, forever Texan. So you here forever. I'm telling you, you're not moving. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it. I'm not sure where else I could live that gives me the type of lifestyle that I have here for the price. Yes, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, economic opportunities are probably the main engine to move people around uh, the world and around uh, around United States, wherever and countries. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. You said 20 years in the HR business, mm -hmm. and suddenly you have your own company. How did that happen? Well, um, you know, I got remarried about 10 years ago, and my husband is an entrepreneur. And you know, he'd always said, Dustin, you should get on your own and do your own thing. And um, being a divorced single mom of two kids, you get to a point where you're a little bit financially, financially risk-averse. And so that really nice paycheck coming in was something that I was like, well, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna stay, you know. And a couple of years ago, um, I really started seriously thinking about what could I do. And I've been in HR for a long time. I've made a lot of connections. I'm part of Dallas HR and Sherm, and I've sat on committees and and I love what I do. But the best part about it was I really love developing the teams that were on the HR and the HR side of the house. And I thought, you know, this would be really great to do for small business, people that really don't know what HR looks like and what it really is. And so in September of 2001, I made the jump and I resigned from my job. I took some time off really to kind of think about what that looked like. Um, and in January of 2022, I really kind of hit the ground and decided, all right, I'm going to do this. And by March, I had my first client. And by July, I had established Encompass HR LLC. And um, I absolutely love it. I love being able to go into small businesses and customize what they need for HR based on what their company culture is and what they need um, from an individual basis. And I've really enjoyed the training that I get to develop and do. I'm really excited. I get to do a um, training on Monday for um, conflict resolution in the workplace, which is, you know, it's a big thing. Um, a lot of companies need that. So I'm excited to do that. And I get to do employee coaching. So I get to do some mentorship, which is really close to my heart. Great. So 
by the way, entering, um, getting out of the comfort zone is the most difficult thing in the world. It is. Let me tell you, uh, with as an immigrant that came here with no English, I was in my comfort zone in my own country, and uh, just breaking that, it, it is very difficult. So, yeah, congratulations. You, you winner on that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited, you know, and, and I think that I'm set up in a really great place. Frisco and Dallas is really good for entrepreneurs. There's a lot yes. of resources, a lot of people that have started their own businesses, um, and so it's it's been a really great experience, and I'm looking forward to more. Well, great. Uh, again, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, um, what's your focus? Uh, tell the audience, what's your focus uh, in um, HR? I'm not very familiar with the HR. I know that there are people that uh, when I call for my... Uh, uh, you know, to check the rentals, uh, you know, the uh, the tenants, yep. you know, background check, and they give me information if they work there. But uh, my knowledge about the HR is very limited. So uh, can you tell the audience uh, what exactly the HR includes? Uh, it's probably very broad, but the briefer, the better, whatever you decide. Okay. And uh, what what do you focus on uh, on? the HR field, you know, the HR profession. Right. So you're right. HR is very broad. Um, it can cover all of your employee relations. It covers all your training and development. It covers all of your, can cover payroll, which is not something that I've chosen to take on. Um, but essentially what I do is my job is to go into a new business or a business that's been around for a while that's growing and take care of their employee issues, anything that has to do with their employees so that they can continue focusing on building their revenue versus worrying about what's happening with the employee base. And that can be as simple as how do you onboard an employee, a new employee, and be compliant? What does that look like? All the way up to I have an employee that's a problem, what do I do, right? So um, it's soup to nuts. I do all of it. And it is a broad, it's broad. So really the customization for me is going into a business and saying, what do you need? Because I don't want to do something that they don't need. Um, because if they don't need it, why, why would I do it again for them if they already have it, right? So, and it can be simple things, putting a handbook together, which means the employees know what their policies are, right? Employees like to know if they have PTO or not. So those types of things. So it's really just depends on what the employee needs, but it can be very broad. Um, it can be very boring. Um, so a lot of owners don't want to have to mess with it. So I can come in and do that for them. Okay. So uh, we just entered 2023, almost the, almost the second month. Yeah. Uh, it's gone. Yeah. I believe soon we're going to have the next New Year Eve, but whatever. We just entered 2020. It flies by it the does. time. It does. Uh, but I mean, uh, what's your goal for 2023? So you're already one year in business. So mm -hmm. what's the, your goal for the next year? So my goal for the next year is to um, triple my client base and to really start focusing um, on development training developing training for clients. So I'm shifting a little bit from 100% consulting to really making sure that I'm doing that training piece as well so that I can do that for a broader audience, not just go into businesses, but also to build webinars and mastermind courses that are online so that people can come and attend those. 
Um, and it's not necessarily just based on a client need, but it's based on an employee need. HR professionals need that as well. So I'm working on that right now to develop a nice library of trainings that I can do, but also ones that I can do online and create some webinars for that. So those are kind of my goals. I'm sure that in six months I might shift those goals a little bit. Just depends on what comes. Um, you got to stay flexible, right, as a, as a business owner. So you're going to educate small business owners about... Mm, about everything in the HR field, or, yeah. you know, how to grow their business. Yeah. As I did, and there are businesses that have been a long time, uh, but when they start growing, that's uh, this growing uh, pain, you know, they, uh, they uh, experience. Uh, so you're going to help with that as well. Yes, absolutely. I love those companies that, you know, I've got 50 employees and I've never had HR, but man, we're trying to triple our employee base and our revenue streams and, how do we do that, you know, and stay compliant? Because the federal government right now is really starting to crack down and have more audits. I think they're trying to make up for COVID when businesses were closed and they couldn't get in. And so they're all kind of banding together now and saying, well, if I audit this company with the IRS, we're going to tell the Department of Labor that we're doing that. And so it becomes a little bit more risky. So compliance for HR becomes really important. Really important. Well, um, I believe that a lot of small companies, they... After they found out that why they didn't know, they even getting scared sometimes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? So <laughs> yeah. then when you figure it out, you're like, oh, my goodness, I probably should do something about that, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, that's important. That's important. Uh, you said audit. Audit, always, people always, uh, you know, um, it allowed uh, relay audit to the connect audit with the with a with a fine you know with accounting with right. money and all these right. things. How how this is uh, what kind of audit is that? Okay, because let's say if I can say somebody hey that's the audit and say oh uh, who is coming uh, IRS or whatever you know. Yeah. So uh, what 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 an audit on a, a small company is going to include and who does it? So the Department of Labor likes to do audits. Um, the um, USCIS, the Immigration Service, likes to do audits. So if you're a company that hires folks on any type of visa, then you need to make sure that you're compliant. And the um, USCIS can come in and audit your files to make sure that you're keeping up and that you're treating them fairly and that you've got the right documentation for them to be able to work. And those audits usually will include your immigration attorney as well as your HR department because your HR department should have access to some of those files. Department of Labor can come in and do audits if you're getting um, EEOC claims. So if somebody's claiming discrimination or if there have been you know, enough people to complain about the company, they can come in and say, I want to look at your books. What do your personnel records look like? What do your disciplinary action look like? What do your policies and processes look like? That will include definitely your human resources leader, um, as well as you're going to want either your general counsel or an outside employment attorney to come in and do that with you. Yeah. So that includes a big scope of attorneys. It does. It can. It can. It, it can. It yeah. can. Yes. Yeah. If, it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Because you mentioned immigration attorneys and I'm very close yeah. friend with them <laughs> uh, since 20 years in immigration. You right. know, I'm a citizen now, so, but uh, I had a lot of encounters with them during my yeah, immigration sure. process. And uh, yeah. uh, I believe that not many small uh, companies, they uh, they do all of these um, background checks or or require something or, let's say, um, consult with immigration attorney, what kind of visa. Right. Because 
Honestly, I have been in a small business world for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a long time, let's say 15 years almost. And uh, I talk to people and most of the people, they're small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, some of them hire and uh, they have no idea about about immigration law. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, because I went through all of this, so I have some idea. I'm not an immigration sure. lawyer, yeah. but uh, anyway, uh, when I say that, so, oh yeah, it's, uh, what that kind of visa is that? And I know them all. I know them all. Just <laughs> I needed to know them. So uh, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, do you have yes. some, same impression that that they're that the, the, the people that small businesses they are just uh, compl- not not compliant, but uh, they uh, they have contacts and they know enough about all of this or or they just they're kind of you know not very familiar with that topic yeah you know it depends on the person that's running the organization if it's a small mom and pop shop that's just really grown chances are they're going to know some of it but not all of it and again you don't know what you don't know right so hiring somebody to come in at least kind of pull back the curtains and open the books and say, here's what you have, and here's what you don't have, and here's what, where you could maybe get dinged on or do better. It's always a great idea to do that as a business, especially if you want to grow, right? So that you have an infrastructure in place to support that growth. Um, but a lot of small businesses also don't want to spend the money. And, you know, I, I'm somebody that can come in and you don't spend a whole lot of money to be able to do that, right? And then some of those changes you can make on your own with some direction. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. HR is not hard. But a lot of people kind of don't think about it as a necessity sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes they think of it more as a cost because HR does cost companies money, right? You pay for benefits. You have PTO programs. All the stuff that you need to do for your employees usually comes through HR. So we're looked at a lot like a cost center. Um, But it's a necessity. And I, I believe that Companies that start sooner do better in the long run because it's one less headache or one less thing that they have to worry about, and they can limit their liability when they do that. Uh, well, yeah, uh, the, that that could, could cost a lot of money if they save from that someday yeah. on this company when they got audited or right. you know everything saved that is uh, essential for the business could cost you in a short or long run a lot of money. It does. It really does. And in the in the last like probably ten years, um, the Fair Labor Standards Act and the NLRB have gone after people for wages. So one of the easiest and one of the easiest things that a company could do is make sure that they're paying their employees properly, right? Are they hourly employees that get overtime, or are they salaried employees that don't get overtime? And are you doing the right tests to make sure you're paying them properly? Because it's super easy to do. And it's super easy to spend maybe a little bit of money on an attorney or an HR professional that knows how to do that test to make sure you're doing it right. Because at the end of the day, if you get sued for that, you're spending thousands and tens of thousands of dollars for something that could have maybe cost you five or six hundred bucks to get it done properly at the beginning. This is the usual end. Uh, yeah. you know, I know and I, said, I had to do it, you know, and uh, and and. I've heard that uh, that attorneys are not very cheap, you know. So, well, it depends on if you go the really big names <laughs> or if you find somebody that's reasonable. <laughs> no, again, you say for an attorney, it may cost more money. <laughs> yeah, well, usually if you're if you're getting sued for wage an hour, you're going to want a really good employment law yeah, attorney to to defend that. But and it usually will cost you more in attorney's fees than for whatever the settlement is at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I, hey guys, better. 
better hire an HR, <laughs> you know, and we have the best here. That's so. right. That's right. right <laughs> okay. So, uh, and um, Mrs. Frisco, any any hobbies, any charities, any organization that you're trying to contribute or just uh, attend? Yes. So I'm a big supporter of the veteran community, and I'm a member of the Frisco VFW Auxiliary Chapter, as well as the Collin County Marine Corps League as an auxiliary member. My husband is a 27-year retired military Marine Corps and Army. Um, and so one of the things that I really would like to be able to do more of is support both of those organizations, as well as support the military um, veterans department at Collin College. Um, they're doing a great job bringing veterans in and helping them to get careers set as they acclimate back into civilian life. And so that's very near and dear to my heart. And um, so that's something that I support. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your husband's service. Thank you. If someone wants, would like to reach out to you, how can they find you? So I have a website. It's www.encompasshrllc.com. Um, I also have a LinkedIn page. So if you search for Dustin Jones, I'm there. And then I have my Encompass HR LLC page that's there as well. Um, and you can get a hold of me that way. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me is through my website. Wonderful. All right. Well, uh, that's for today. Uh, thank you very much for attending uh, my show. And uh, uh I look forward to networking with you and see you around and help each other in growing our businesses. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. And it's time for our Frisco Lifestyle part. Restaurants opening near the Omni PGA Resort. With uh, such an easygoing suburban feel, it can be easy to forget that Frisco is quickly becoming a destination city with features like the Omni PGA Resort opening soon. Many restaurants will soon follow. Here is a preview of who is coming to the neighborhood so that you can make the most of your uh, dipping out plans. What makes the restaurants uh, the Omni development unique is that you won't find many national brands. Instead, you will find a quirky ice cream shop in the hotel called Margaret's. Incidentally, that's the daughter of uh, Blake Rowling, president of Omni uh, parent company TRT Holdings. The hotel will also host a super club, so uh, dinner with uh, dancing and uh, maybe a uh, hopping band uh, is back. An army of uh, gourmet chief will uh, take care of the, of the food. Instead of uh, bringing in a national brands, Omni PGA uh, exclusive chef George Hasho will hire 118 cooks to op operate all the unique concepts on the 660-acre complex. That means a total of 1,000 hires, of whom 400 are food service workers. They need them and they will be able to afford them, especially with concepts like a, a trick rider coming online. Here, diners can uh, have luxury menu items, including uh, flights of uh, Wagyu or, um, and caviar on, uh, on demand. 
Although many high-end concepts will be inside the hotel, golfers can uh, have plenty of upscale drive-up options as they play the course. And in addition, the bunker offers tasty salads and sandwiches, while an outdoor venue called Fields, uh, uh, Fields Overlook. So, no matter what your short game is doing, you can rely on a great meal to, to soothe the, the burn of double buggy.